thanks for hanging out with me for just a few minutes as we talk about what does it mean as Christians to have the call to enter wild. Enter wild is what we're going to be talking about. And, you know, I'm of the belief that all of us have been called to more in our faith. All of us have been called to leave mild and truly enter wild. You know, we've, we've been living in this season of stress, of anxiety, of trauma. And what our carnal and human reaction wants to do is we want to immediately retract and hide and find a safe space uh, to exist in. For many of us, we think, you know what? I've become a Christian. Life is crazy. I'm just going to hide and wait for heaven. But the truth of what we've been called to do is not to become a Christian and wait for heaven. We've actually been called to become Christians and bring heaven, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And for many of us, that means leaving safe, leaving mild and entering wild. Being the hands and feet of Jesus means fighting for injustice. Being the hands and feet of Jesus means taking a stand for those that can't stand up for themselves. And so today for just a few minutes, I'd love to talk to you about just what I believe it takes for us to leave mild and enter wild. John 10.10, 10. We, we all know the scripture. Um, a thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, unfortunately, most Christians think that or have translated that scripture into a thief comes to bother you, annoy you, and irritate you. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the half. You see, we may not say that's what we believe, but how many of us really lessen the intensity and lessen the truth of what the enemy is actually doing in our lives? And how many of us are not only doing that with the enemy, but lessening the intensity and lessening the truth of what Jesus has actually promised us in our lives. He has come that we may have life not to the half, but have life to the full. You know, for me, I have struggled with anxiety and depression and mental health issues for many years of my adult life. And I used to say things like, you know, um, God has given me enough strength to deal with my anxiety. And although I know what I was trying to say when I would say that, that's not the total truth. The total truth is God has not just given me enough strength to deal with my anxiety, but God actually wants to heal me completely of my anxiety. Now, why was it so hard for me to say that in those seasons of anxiety and depression? Well, because I was fearful that the healing wouldn't come. And the truth is, my anxiety got better. Listen, I was, when my anxiety and panic attacks first started, I was a worship leader full-time in Southern California. I couldn't even do my job anymore because I would have panic attack upon panic attack upon panic attack in front of thousands of people on a weekly basis. And it finally wore me out. And so what did I do? I did all the things in the natural that I knew to do. I fixed my diet. I started to exercise. I went to a therapist. I, I went to a doctor. I started on medicine. I did all the things in the natural that really helped. And guess what? All of those things, they helped me so much and they got me to life to the half. Because when we're in trauma and when life sucks so bad, when you go from that to 50% better, it feels incredible, but we can't stop there. We get so lazy as believers when we get life to the half, we get life to 50 or 60%. That's not what God has called us to. And so as I got better in the natural, I was placing all of my hope in the natural and when you place your hope in the natural, you're going to get to life to 60%. But when you place your hope in the supernatural, 
that's where your wild and freedom will truly come. You see, our help is in the natural and our hope is in the supernatural. Our help is in the natural and our hope is in the supernatural. And so let's just take a few more minutes and let me lay out what I believe every single one of us should do to truly enter wild. The first thing we need to do is to enter rest. Now, when I say rest, I'm not talking about just Netflixing all day long. No, the purpose of rest in the way that I'm describing it is rest so that we can hear the voice of God. Rest so that we can lower the volume of life and the volume of God goes up. The first step in entering wild is to hear the voice of God, but you cannot hear the voice of God if you have not entered rest. The average pace of Jesus Christ's ministry was three miles an hour. That's how fast a human being walks, three miles an hour. And I can only imagine that our lives in no way, shape, or form represent a three mile an hour ministry. But there's something so beautiful about the slowness of the speed at which Jesus ministered. He changed the planet at three miles an hour. He lowered the volume of life. And when he did that, his ministry exploded. And I believe that we've got to lower the volume of life. We've got to slow down. Friends, we wake up in the morning. Remember, we used to have an alarm clock next to our bed in the 80s, if you're old enough to remember the 80s. And all the alarm clock did was play Z93 before I went to bed and wake me up in the morning. I couldn't pick up my alarm clock and feed my brain for uh, three hours in bed before my eyes finally fell asleep. Nowadays, we don't have alarm clocks anymore. We wake up in the morning, we, we pick up our phone, we hit swipe to turn off the alarm clock, and then we start scrolling and we are consuming content. We consume more content now in one day than our great-great-grandparents would consume in an entire year. This is factual data and our souls were not created to exist at that pace. So what do we do? Do we burn the phones? No. But what we do is we have to be very intentional with entering rest. A few years ago, a friend of mine, Brad Lominick, he invited me to go to Montana to go fly fishing. And I'll never forget when I got the invitation, I was like, bro, listen, I'm a black man that lives in the city. We don't fly fish. He's like, no, listen, just come to Montana. Uh, leave your phone. There's not going to be cell signal here. You got to come. And I fought him and fought him and fought him. And finally, I gave in. And I'll, I'll never forget, like I had a thousand things and a thousand reasons why I shouldn't go to Montana and fly fish with my friend Brad. And I'll never forget landing in Billings, Montana. When I landed in Billings, Montana, uh, I, I had dreams of what Montana looked like, but Billings, Montana kind of looked like Montana had up and left Billings to fend for itself. And I get picked up by some strange guy and he drives me, you know, an hour and a half away. And I got there late and everyone else was already on the river and my guide was waiting for me. And so I, I, I'm with my guide and he's teaching me how to fly. And I'm like, this is so horrible. I hate it. I hate that I'm even here. And he gets me in the river and I'm on the boat. He's like, all right, Carlos, you're going to, you got to cast that fly, you know, get the rhythm down. And you want to convince and trick the trout that that little fly made out of a feather at the end of the line is a bug. And I just kept thinking, this is stupid. And I remember laying that line out on the water and I'll never forget. I saw a flash and he goes, Hey, his name is Brennan. There, there's a trout right there. It's a 22 inch brown trout. And I remember my heart started to pound a little bit. And then he said, mend the line. So I mended the line. And then he's like, just hang on, be patient. And I'll never forget out of the water rose this brown trout 
and it sucked that fly down and my heart started to pound. He's like, set the hook. Then I set the hook and then all of a sudden I felt that fish on the other end of the line and it took off down the river. He's like, keep your rod tip up. And I'm like, Zzzz. next thing you know, my heart's pounding, my heart's pounding. And finally, after five minutes, I reel it in and I felt more alive than I had in years. Friends, that was the first day of my addiction to fly fishing. I'm now part of an Instagram group in a fly fishing community called Brown Folks Fly Fishing. I am an official red Mexican. There's not one week that goes by in my year that I'm not in a river somewhere fly fishing because I had entered rest. And the beautiful thing about it is when I slowed down and lowered the volume of life, now when I hear God the loudest is in the river. So we've entered rest, okay? God is speaking to you. What he's gonna speak to you are the things in your life that you've got to deal with. And when he gives you those things specifically in your life that you've got to deal with, when you ask him specifically, Lord, what are the things I need to get rid of in order to enter into wild? He will tell you. Friends, I know how hard it is to enter rest. Like nothing in our humanity wants to do that. I mean, look, look at the Israelites in Exodus. Moses has freed them. They're like on the run. The Egyptian army's on their tail. They get to the edge of the Red Sea. And then they look at Moses and they start to freak out. Why? Because they're like, look, there's an ocean in front of us. There's an army behind us. And this is what they said. Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt to serve the Egyptians? There were plenty of graves for us in Egypt, but now we're going to die in the desert. And they're screaming, ah! And do you know what Moses says to them? He says, stand still and you will see the Lord save you today. Stand still. And when they stood still, you know what the Lord did? He split that sea wide open and they walked through towards the promised land. Can you stand still and receive the wild in your life? It's going to be so important. Once you stand still and, and, and the Lord begins to speak to you clearly, you're going to hear him so clearly. He's going to tell you the things that you've got to deal with in order to get to wild. He's gonna tell you the things that you've got to break. He's gonna tell you the things that you've got to destroy in the name of Jesus in order to get full, life to the full, not life to the half. And I like to call this enter war. We've entered rest, now we're gonna enter war. And, and all enter war is, is dealing with the things that God is telling you, okay? In rest, he's gonna tell you what to deal with. In war, you're gonna deal with it. And, you know, the analogy that my dad uh, told me long ago is Carlitos, when it came to, to what to deal with, and this is how you say my name, Carlitos, he would say, um, you've got to stop cleaning the cobwebs, you must kill the spider. And what he meant by that is, it's quite simple. A cobweb is a medicating behavior that brings comfort to a lie, and a spider is an agreement that you've made with the lie. In enter war, we're dealing with the spiders, with the agreements with lies, not with the behaviors. The behaviors are gone, okay? God's gonna tell you agreements with lies and you're gonna break them. So it's simple. When you enter war, you confess the lie, you reject the lie, and you replace the lie. And freedom begins to happen. And there's definitely specific tools that we can use on a daily basis in our warfare. But one of the ones that I've begun using over the last few years that I never did before within the warfare of my life is instead of praying the problem, I pray the promise. Far too long I was taught in my life to just beg God to help me with situations, especially with my anxiety and depression. And in my latest book, Enter Wild, I go through the story arc of how I finally found freedom from anxiety and depression. And one of the main pieces 
was I started to pray like Jesus. When you study the gospels and you look at how Jesus prayed, Jesus never prayed the problem. He always prayed the promise. Yet what do our prayers look like when we're anxious, when we're depressed, when we're struggling with these things? Oh Lord, I'm so anxious, take it away from me. Oh Lord, I'm so depressed. Oh Father, I'm so overwhelmed. Do you see what we're saying? As we're praying, the enemy is right next to us going, this is awesome. We're actually making agreements with the enemy while we are praying. No, you do not have anxiety. You may be going through a season of anxiety because healing is coming and promised to you. So instead of praying, Lord, I'm so tired, I'm so depressed, Lord, I'm so overwhelmed. No, why don't you start praying the promises of scripture? Go to the word. I'm the body of Christ and Satan has no power over me for I've overcome evil with good. I'm of God and have overcome him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fear no evil for you are with me, Lord. Your word and your spirit, they come from me. I'm far from oppression. Fear does not come near me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper for my righteousness is of the Lord and whatever I do will prosper. For I'm like a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. Friends, these are the promises of God. These are the things that are going to get you through the season that you're in because scripture promises us that we don't have something. We may be working through something because we are promised victory. We're promised abundance. So begin to speak that out. And when you speak that out, the war will be won. And then it's my favorite. Enter wild. We've entered rest. We enter war and then we finally enter wild. And friends, this is where the miracles, signs, and wonders are going to be all around you. I used to come from the land and live in the land of sin management. And I'm telling you, like, it was an okay land. It was a life to the half land, but a life to the full land. I finally got on that boat and I stepped off into the land of miracle signs, and wonders, and I never, ever want to go back. God is a very specific God. When you start asking him specific things, he will give you specific answers. He's a wild God. And I'm not talking about wild God with just like the big prayer things in your life. Every single day, we serve a Holy Spirit that is wanting to have conversational intimacy every hour, every minute, every second of the day. Holy Spirit does not just show up in the key change to shout to the Lord. He doesn't just show up in the latest Bethel song on a Sunday morning at your church. He is here to speak to you all day, every day, and you get to enter wild. You know, um, I, I love this simple wild story. A friend of mine named Marcus wanted to learn how to hear the voice of God. And he said, Carlos, I've been trying to hear the voice of God forever. And I said, okay, let's meet for coffee. And I think he thought that I was going to give him an equation. A plus B equals the voice of God. But unfortunately, that's not it. I just told him, Marcus, I want you to pray where we should go to lunch. He's like, man, you think God is going to tell me where to go to lunch? I said, absolutely. So he crossed his fingers. He looked up at, into the sky because maybe that's where God was. And then he said, Lord, where should me and Carlos go to lunch? And I let him sit there uncomfortably for just a few minutes. And I'll never forget, after a few minutes of him twitching, He's like, Carlos, I can't hear anything. What does the voice of God sound like? I said, oh, Marcus, did you sense something when you asked him? He's like, oh, feelings? Now you're talking about feelings? Everybody has feelings. I said, no, don't edit the Holy Spirit. I know you felt something. I know you saw something. And he didn't want to say it because he didn't want to be wrong, but he finally said it. He said, well, I saw that restaurant Thai Phuket over in Titan Stadium parking lot. But how do I know if that was God? I said, we don't, but let's go. So we went to Thai Phuket. Jesus did not appear in the steam of the, my Thai chicken curry soup. The waiter didn't look like Jesus. It was just a normal lunch. We'd actually forgotten that we'd asked God where to go to lunch. And on the way out, 
We, we go to our respective vehicles and the most redneck human being you've ever seen in your life comes sprinting out of Ty Phuket and he's screaming, hey man, hey man, you. And Marcus and I are like, what is this dude doing? We're, and he's like, man, you're gonna think I'm crazy. You're gonna think I'm crazy, man. And he goes up to Marcus and he goes, do you sometimes work on your laptop over at Frothy Monkey in 12 South? It's a coffee shop. Marcus was like, yeah. He's like, man, I was in there the other day and I was, I was praying and you came walking in. I remember your face and I felt like God told me to pray for you, but I didn't because I was too chicken. And I just let you walk out. I never thought I'd see you again, but then you came walking in and here, Typhoon Ketten, oh my God, I couldn't let you leave twice. Can I please pray for you? Friends, I got in my minivan and left Marcus in the parking lot with that weird man all by himself, but Marcus called me 10 minutes later, his voice trembling. God answered my specific questions. We serve a wild God. We serve a God that is ready to commune with you on a daily basis and take you from mild in your faith to wild in your faith. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life and have it in abundance. It's going to look like abundance. I know it may not look like it right now, but it will. One last story so you guys can see what I'm talking about. My family and I, we went camping in the high Sierras couple years ago. And as the kids were in the tent, it was just me and my wife by ourselves by the fire. And the, there were millions of stars in the sky. So my wife's like, hey, can you take a picture of the stars? Now, I went and I grabbed her camera, one of those fancy cameras with the buttons and the dials and the knobs. And when you don't know how to use a camera, what do you do? Well, you put the camera in auto mode. So I put it in auto mode and I aimed that puppy at the sky and I took a picture. And when I took a picture, there, there, was, there was like 35 stars in the sky. Although there was like 35 million stars in the sky, with that I could see with my eyes on the, on the camera. There's only 35 stars, but I was like, oh, it looks pretty good. So this is the picture that I took. And I walked over to my wife and I said, hey, what do you think about this? She said, oh, babe, listen, there's 35 million stars in the sky. There's only like 35 stars in that picture. That's a really expensive camera. I know it can take a picture of all the stars in the sky. I said, yes, but I don't know how to do it. But guess what? I had to take it off of auto mode and put it in manual mode. So I, I pulled up my phone. I texted one of my friends in Nashville, Tennessee, that's a professional photographer. He's like, oh yeah, you can't take a picture of the stars in auto mode. Has to be in manual mode. You have to first you have to find, find the ISO and you have to crank the ISO from 200 to 12,000. Then you have to find the aperture, which is all called the f-stop. Then you have to lower the aperture from 8.2 to 1.2. Then you have to get the shutter speed and slow it down from 1 second to 30 seconds. And then you've got to put it on a tripod because then it's gonna be blurry if you're holding your hands and you have to download a remote and put it on your phone. I just wanted a freaking picture of the stars. Why did it have to be so complicated? And guess what? I tried it and I failed. And I tried it and I failed and I tried it and I failed until finally, after 30 minutes of working with this camera, I took a picture and it went from this to this. Friends, this is life with abundance. This is life when you enter wild. It's actually waiting for each and every one of you. And I believe if you enter rest, and you enter war, you will finally enter wild.